Washington, D.C., this is On the Ground, and this is part one of our look back at 2023, from Palestine to a myriad of protests, from the climate crisis to police terror to the African Sahel. This year was a time of continuing and tremendous crisis for the world's global majority, and it was a time of resistance and challenging U.S. empire like never before. This is the real face of the Israeli occupation. They took off the masks of their intentions. They took off the masks of their propaganda. The U.S. effort to basically regime change Russia is one in a long line of scores of such murderous regime change operations. Humanity has reached a breaking point. Look around. It is fitting that that the earth is on fire. We are here. We will have to live with fire from now on. The entire system is guilty. The whole damn system is what? The whole damn system is what? Welcome to On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. I'm Esther Averam. Well, when 2023 is recorded by historians, it could be characterized as the beginning of the end of American empire, a year when the mask and pretense of imperial dominance was ripped off, starting with looming defeat in the dangerous proxy war against Russia and Ukraine, extending to futile attempts to squash China's economic rise, and ending with the U.S. backing a horrific genocide against the occupied people of Palestine. Most listeners to the show know that the October 7th, 2023 attack on Israel by the military wing of Hamas did not start the war on Gaza, which has endured a 17-year-old blockade and siege by Israel, which rendered it nearly uninhabitable. Since October 7th, more than 20,000 residents of Gaza have been killed by relentless bombing with most of the dead women and children. Since October 7th, in the occupied West Bank, nearly 300 Palestinians have also been murdered by Israeli forces and illegal Israeli settlers, allowed to murder and steal the land of Palestinians with impunity. The total number of Palestinians killed in the West Bank this year is 476, including 112 children as of December 14th, according to the United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs. Now, the subject of ongoing atrocities against Palestinians in the West Bank, all but forgotten amid the horror in Gaza, brings us to our first story. When international human rights activist Issa Amro visited Washington, D.C. in January 2023, dozens of Palestinians had already been murdered by IDF soldiers and illegal settlers. Amro, awarded by the United Nations for his nonviolent resistance to the Israeli occupation, spoke January 28th at D.C.'s Plymouth Congregational United Church of Christ. He spoke about Israel as a fascist state. I want to start from what happened with me just today. I was in the BBC talking about what is happening in Palestine. So I described that the new Israeli government is a fascist government and Bingvir Smotrich and Netanyahu are working to displace more Palestinians, destroy more Palestinian communities, dismantling the Palestinian Authority, deporting Palestinian uh, lawmakers from 1948 to Syria and to Egypt. I'm talking what what is announced in the media. So they want to displace Khan al-Ahmar in the Jordan Valley, South Mount Hebron, Masafir Yatta, you know, around 10 communities to be displaced, deported. And they are working on de facto annexation of West Bank. That was the previous government. This government is openly talking about annexing all over West Bank to Israel without any rights to the Palestinians. Openly. They are saying it, Palestinians will be second-class citizens, Palestinians will be our slaves. So I said, 
to the BBC, it's not about how many Israelis and Palestinians are killed, it's about the system which is killing both. And Israel is responsible about killing Palestinians and Israelis. Because they were uh, surprised how a 13 years old Palestinian kid uh, did what he did in Jerusalem yesterday, did something, injured a few Israelis. But they don't talk about Israeli settler kids who attacked me in the last three months more than 20, 30 times. Who are 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, videotaped without any accountability. So I, I described fascist. I saw what is happening. I described that it's the system, it's occupation, it's about Palestinians' rights. Palestinians don't occupy Tel Aviv, Israel occupies Hebron, West Bank, East Jerusalem. Guess what was the complaint from the presenter? And for sure, I was saying we should use, uh, as Palestinians, we should use nonviolence resistance as the only method to end the Israeli occupation. This is what I believe in. I call people to do. Guess what was her, you know, uh, her comment or her concerns? No. She said, Isa, you are calling for nonviolence, but the language you use is not acceptable. You can't say fascist government. Exactly. I was surprised. She surprised me when she said, I can't use fascist. Hundreds of thousands of Israelis were protesting in Tel Aviv, describing being the Smotrich Netanyahu government as a fascist government, and BBC is concerning from me, a Palestinian victim of the Israeli occupation, calling them fascists. That's what is going on, okay? So I go back to my speech now, but I wanted to share with you because it was you know, here in my heart, and I feel that we are a family, and I wanted to share that with you. That is one of the challenges. The good part, I was there on BBC, talking, explaining my narrative, and, you know, telling them what Palestinians should tell them, because we don't exist as Palestinians. And this is one of the things I ask people all over the world to do for the Palestinians. We, Palestinians, we are under Israeli military law, which means non-violence resistance is not allowed. Non-violence resistance is illegal. You know that? You know that non-violence resistance is illegal? You know this kind of a meeting is illegal in Israel and Palestine for the Palestinians? Any meeting with more than 10 is illegal. Any peaceful protest, peaceful protest is illegal. Campaigning is illegal against the Israeli occupation. Free speech is not allowed under the Israeli occupation. I was arrested, ill-treated, beaten, indicted, convicted in the Israeli military court for my non-violence resistance. And many other Palestinians were convicted, indicted, beaten for their non-violence resistance. So non-violence resistance is not allowed in the military system. In the military system, you are guilty until you are proving innocent. I was arrested last November for filming an Israeli soldier hitting hitting, punishing an Israeli visitor in Hebron. I went to the military court as guilty. I had to prove the opposite of what they were saying. That is the military system. So it's not, it's like that. We, the Palestinians, you know, legally, is like, like this. And they are here under the civilian law. So when we say apartheid, give me another explanation, another definition, What's, what, what it is. If you have two sets of law in the same area for different people, how come Americans doesn't describe it as they used to describe it in the 50s? They should understand us, especially the black people here. We are not equal with our settlers' neighbors. They live close to us in two sets of law. I was attacked, me, Isa, many times physically by settlers, and I was arrested after I was attacked. Arrested after I was attacked. Why? Because I'm under the military law and they are under the civilian law. So we are like this now. We need to bring Palestinians up. How to bring Palestinians up? One of the things is to post Palestinian voices. 
to hear more the Palestinians, to engage more the Palestinians, to integrate more the Palestinians in everything. And this is what is the good part with BBC. About the situation in Palestine and, uh, and Israel these days, it's really crazy. It's really hard. The Israeli fascist, as Itamar Ben-Gvir and Smotrich, won in the last election, and they became mainstream. So they have the, the roots to do violence, to kill Palestinians, as Muhammad Abu Khdair, who was burnt, kidnapped, alive, a Palestinian child, as the Wabsha family, who were burnt alive in Naples, and all the attacks all over West Bank. In the last one year and a half, we faced a lot of settler violence. Hundreds of settlers attacking Palestinian homes, Palestinian villages, Palestinian communities. And now the Palestinians, they decided just that they will demolish any Palestinian new house in Area C. If you build a tent, they demolish it. A restroom, they demolish it. Uh, a school, they demolish two schools in the last two months. They are going after everything Palestinian in Area C. Then BBC is complaining why I call them fascists. So this is this kind of Itamar Bingvir. His other, you know, partner is Smotrich. Smotrich is the founder of the richest NGO in Area C for the settlers. It's called Rakavim. Rakavim, their main work and mandate to remove the Palestinian identity in Area C. Area C, you know, the Palestinian land divided A, B, C according to Oslo. 62-63% of the land in West Bank is in that category, which is under the Israeli military control. But the military is controlling the river, from the river to the sea. You're listening to Palestinian activist Isa Amro speaking January 2023 at Plymouth Congregational United Church of Christ in Northeast D.C., this is On the Ground. I'm Esther Averam. Stay with us. So the, the, the space we had as human rights defender is shrinking. The space we had is really doing much and much less than before. But we as Palestinians think that this is the real face of the Israeli occupation. They took off the masks of their intentions. They took off the masks of their propaganda. This is the reality. It was like that from day one. It's not new. But now they allow it to be public. What we can do, we can talk about it. But for me, Aziza, I'm very optimistic. And I have hope. And what I see in Palestine and outside Palestine gives me more hope. A lot of Palestinians are really now more critical of what's, what is go, going around them. I remember 2006, I founded a camera project, cameras, to give out cameras to the Palestinian families, 
to the Palestinian children to react to the settler violence and the army violence. So I got six cameras, cameras as donation and I was happy with the cameras. It was $1,000 camera, you know, expensive. So I went to the families to give out the cameras. Families said, no, we will not take the camera. We will be a target. It's useless. What are you talking about? The families in the beginning refused to use the video camera to document the human rights violation. In a way or another, I managed to convince many women, many families to use the cameras. This is why you see a lot of videos now. Nowadays, videotaping, documenting the human rights violations became a culture in Palestine. Human rights violations and the Israeli crimes. And it's going on all over. That how the Israeli occupation is not defending the Israelis. This is something very important. So, 2006, people refused to, to take camera. Now everybody almost is using their smart devices and they believe that this the occupation the military court the military system their sole purpose what is the sole purpose of the occupation to kill our spirit of asking for equality everything is to kill our spirit to believe that we are humans they want us to say okay we are second class. They want the Palestinians to coexist and be familiar with occupation and live as slaves for the Israelis. Because they say, you either a slave or we help you to leave. Now they're publicly saying it. So now Palestinian teenagers, Palestinian women who became very strong in our community now, they're doing an amazing work to protest to rally, to counter the Israeli violence. If you go around in Palestine, you feel proud. How many people now, they are very active against the occupation, against the apartheid, against the settlers. They are not pacifists, staying home. We need a leadership to tell them, let's do a non-violence, massive revolution. And many of you here are a little, sometimes hopeless, frustrated. How many French participated in the French Revolution? What was the percentage of the French who participated in the French Revolution, which it changed Europe? Steve? A little bit more. Nine percent. We don't want to convince all the Americans. Let's convince 10% who can act firmly against the occupation. Our target, 10%. Because we are not there. If we really manage to convince 10% that their tax money, the American tax money, is going to be sent to Itamar Bingfer. Itamar Bingfer. Not Netanyahu. And Smotrich. This is a, big, a, a very important question to the State Department, to Biden's administration, to tell them, your money is used by Smotrich and Bingfer, and you are saying we don't want to deal with them. But the money you send, the $3.8 billion, is in their hands. Is that what you want? So the American people contribute via their taxes to apartheid and occupation in Palestine. So are the Americans neutral? No. You are part of the problem. That was Palestinian human rights activist Issa Amro speaking in Washington, D.C., January 2023. After Israel's attack on Gaza, starting in October of 2023, Amro was arrested, jailed, and tortured in Israeli custody. And like all Palestinians living in the West Bank, he continues to face detentions and terrorist attacks from Israeli forces and illegal settlers mobilized to kill and steal the land of Palestinians with impunity. The home where he grew up is in a so-called militarized zone where he cannot visit or reclaim the land that belongs to his family. 
He is the founder of the nonviolent resistance group Youth Against Settlements. Also at the start of 2023, the brutal beating and murder of Tyree Nichols by Memphis police captured on surveillance camera reinforced the systemic nature of police terror in the United States and renewed calls for a complete overhaul of the country's 18,000 individual police departments. We began our February 3rd, 2023 show with coverage of the Nichols funeral and the eulogy delivered by the Reverend Al Sharpton. Well, Wednesday's funeral for Tyree Nichols transformed that city's Mississippi Boulevard Christian Church into a grand stage where the nation's grief, culture of violence, and evidence of police terror were on full display. The Reverend Al Sharpton, who delivered the eulogy, placed Nichols' murder at the hands of five black police officers in historical terms. Dr. King had came to Memphis to fight for garbage workers city employees that had no safety. Two had been killed with a malfunction. And here we are 55 years later, looking at the balcony where Martin Luther King shed his blood for city workers, for black city workers, to be able to work in the police department, work in sanitation. And the reason why Mr. and Mrs. Wells, what happened to Tyree is so personal to me, is that five black men that wouldn't have had a job in the police department would not ever be thought of to be in an elite squad in the city that Dr. King lost his life not far away from that balcony you beat a brother to death there's nothing more insulting and offensive to those of us that fight to open doors that you walk through those doors and act like the folks we had to fight for to get you through them doors. Sharpton also invited Vice President Kamala Harris to the pulpit to speak. And in that moment, Harris embodied the hypocritical relationship of the Biden administration and corporate Democrats to African-Americans over the protests of activists, many of whom held their nose and voted for Biden he has budgeted more funding for police, even as police in the United States killed more people than ever in 2022. Black Lives Matter activists were also key critics of Harris during her failed run for the presidency in 2020, when they outed her poor record of support for the most basic police accountability measures while she was district attorney of San Francisco and later while California state attorney general. Well, the brutal murder of Nichols by Memphis police captured on surveillance camera reinforces the systemic nature of police abuse and renews calls for a complete overhaul of the country's 18,000 individual police departments. On the ground was on the streets of D.C., where protests erupted on the night that video evidence was released of Nichols' murder. The first voices are Nini Tay and Faye of the D.C. Safety Squad, speaking near Franklin Park in downtown D.C. Police cannot be, be reformed. April just told y'all that. They're not going to dismantle their own tools. Police cannot be reformed because the institution is fundamentally built on the state's sole authority to use violence as they see fit. Yes. Police are not accountable to the law and therefore do not enforce it. Last but not least, police cannot be reformed part two. Police are not only figures through which the state expresses oppressive and punitive power, the entire system is guilty. The whole damn system is what? The whole damn system is what? Reclaiming safety does not mean refunding and solve social policing. Reclaiming safety does not mean softening the police system. It means to 
reimagine safety and abolish them. We're going to build a community where we literally going to keep each other safe. Reclaiming safety does not mean shifting from a regimen of mass incarceration to a regimen of mass supervision. Right, that's right. So be clear on that too. That's right. So with that being said, I'm going to call Faye up so she can let, let y'all know who the D.C. Safety Squad is and what we're doing and what we're building here in D.C. And it's going to be lit because we're going to have alternatives than calling the police because the police don't keep us safe. Who keeps us safe? We 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 keep us safe. We keep us safe. White silence. White silence. White silence. Hey everyone, my name is Faye. My pronouns are they them. I am an organizer with the Good Trouble Cooperative. I am a direct action lead with Harriet's Wildest Dreams. Take and I'm time, so dude. angry I have to speak to y'all again. Take your time. Take it. You got this, boo. We love you. So much. So many of us have been fighting in DC and nationally for years for accountability for so many names so many names that people have just forgotten. And now we have even more. And so as we're here and we're talking about what it means to fight, about what it means to actually create change, what it means to look forward towards a society that is not built upon the oppression of black and brown bodies, what that means is creating alternative systems. Woo! What that means is creating alternatives to policing. Woo! And here in DC, we are starting the DC Safety Squad, the mobilization team that is going to be an alternative to policing, that is going to respond to community needs with care and compassion and not violence. Talk about it. Not death. We're actually understanding that our people, when they reach out, the few times that we reach out, it's because we need help. And so the DC Safety Squad is going to be a pushing effort in DC to make sure that we are responding to people's needs correctly. Yes, yes. Because this system has never worked. Yes, yes. We live in a country where we pour money, more money into policing into our military than anything else. Mm. Not our educational systems, mm. not our housing, nope. not our unhoused. Right. Talk about it. And still we're convinced that pouring trillions and trillions of more dollars into these same systems that have failed us since this country's inception is going to be the solution, it's not. Lie. Join organizations like Good Trouble Co-op, like Until Freedom DC, like Freedom Fighters DC, all these organizations that are doing the work in the community, giving back to our people and doing the work to protect them because who keeps us safe? We keep us safe! Who keeps us safe? We keep us safe! Get involved. If it's not the DC Safety Squad, which is going to be once again an alternative to policing in the city, we're going to respond to requests for help and intervention. Then however you can, because we all have things to contribute that are meaningful. It's about finding your place. And I encourage you all to take this opportunity to yes, rage against the system. Be f mad, be angry. And then tomorrow, do something to Fix it. Yup. Thank you. It's that time of the year, and I know so many of our on the ground listeners will be receiving solicitations for donations. And I want to remind you that. 
On the Ground is a totally listener-sponsored show, and we are a not-for-profit. We are a registered not-for-profit in the United States. So that means that anything that you give is tax-deductible. It could be that some of us are in a position to be very generous. And if you are, I ask you to please consider On the Ground in your end-of-year giving. The easiest way to give is on our Patreon page. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash on the ground show. You can also give on PayPal and find out other ways to give on our website on the ground But if you enjoy the show, if you check out the show, if you enjoy what we're able to produce as this labor of love, please join with us and uh, be an activist with us, be an active agent of articulation in these perilous times and support independent media because we only have you to rely on. So again, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and also onthegroundshow.org has links to PayPal and the address to send a check if you can do that. But whatever you do, know that it will be much appreciated. Thank you. I think it's really been a very devastating start to the year for people striving for peace and freedom. And I guess I mean peace and freedom, not just for people here in the United States, but all over the world. And, you know, when we have these discussions, we could talk about places all over the world, places that are perhaps never discussed that are experiencing U.S. backed or U.S. involved acts of physical violence and terrorism like Yemen, the Congo, Somalia, Haiti, Palestine, or even economic violence. I'm thinking about the sanctions and piracy, you know, which often kills more people than physical violence in places like Venezuela, Iran, or Afghanistan. But as I watched this really heart-wrenching funeral for Tyree Nichols and the outpouring of righteous anger in this country over the racist and like brutal, broken system of policing, I couldn't help but think that this is a a moment of greater clarity for the larger African-American community here about the systemic nature of the brutality of policing and the racist nature of policing and how it represents state violence. Well, certainly we need to contemplate seriously the link between brutality and violence at home and the same phenomenon abroad. That occurred to me as I was monitoring the trip to historic Palestine of Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, and it reminds us all that in these settler regimes, be they Israel or the United States, they involve uprooting the indigenous in the first instance, which of course involves violence. So they are ignited by violence. It's no secret that within the current Netanyahu regime, there is a faction that would like to see an expulsion, a so-called final remedy to the Palestinian question, a la 1947-1948, but carried forward in the 21st century. In the United States, we know that the expulsion and the liquidation of the indigenous was then magnified by the forcible implantation of Africans, enslaved Africans, which then helps to undergird the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, uh, which involves the ultimate the rationale and juridical basis for mass shootings that have taken place most recently in California. And it also represents, I'm afraid to say, that the Second Amendment was based upon arming settlers so that they could more effectively repress revolts by the Africans and the indigenous. That was historian Gerald Horn speaking with me on the February 3rd, 2023 show. Up next, my conversation with 2016 Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein at the March on Washington for People's Needs, Not the War Machine. And that was March 18th, 2023, near the White House. This is On the Ground. I'm Esther Averam. Stay with us. 
I'm here in front of the White House. I'm speaking to Dr. Jill Stein, former presidential candidate for the Green Party. I want to ask you a few questions for Pacifica Radio. So, yeah, well, thank you so much. Yeah, so, thanks for being here. You know, there was a... When you were speaking and there were... Some, uh, maybe Medea. I was actually right next to kind of a heckler from oh. holding up the Ukrainian flag and uh, basically saying, you know, tell it to Russia, tell Russia to get out, whatever. And so, tell me about your experiences trying to explain the complexity of this. For so, for so many people, they just see Russia as the aggressor. Yeah, it's so important to fight back against the propaganda that says good guy here, bad guy here. Wars are brutal and largely illegal, and they're murderous, period. On the other hand, the U.S. has been ginning up this war with Russia since at least 2014, arguably since 2004 when we led a color revolution in Ukraine to set this up, and arguably from 1992 when the Pentagon first announced its policy of full-spectrum dominance. So yes, Russia's invasion is horrific, brutal, criminal, but Russia had a gun to its head and really had no option, which is the larger reality here. Let's not block out the context, which is that the U.S. effort to basically regime change Russia is one in a long line of scores of such murderous regime change operations. And the U.S. is trying to hide behind the criminality of a war that it basically forced. So it's really important, I think, to educate people. And I've been finding people are really quite shocked and flabbergasted to hear the actual history, the real story that has to be told here. This is a human story. This is not one government or another. This is about how empire really is impoverishing us all and is putting us all in the target hairs of a nuclear conflagration that we get closer to by the hour. Yeah, it's, it's really scary. And, you know, you mentioned full-spectrum dominance. And so tell people about that, because they may, they may know that term, but they don't know what that is. So this is official U.S. military policy. It was first, as far as I know, the first real documented announcement about this that I've been able to find was in the New York Times, which was covering excerpts of the Pentagon's policy issued in 1992, where it said essentially that we will not allow competitors, economic or military competitors, to our dominance. And we won't even allow competitors who are rising to regional power. Exactly, even in their own neighborhood. In like their own it. neighborhood. Yeah. And not among our friends, not among our allies, and not among our our uh, adversaries. None of it will be allowed. We shall exert absolute dominance. And, you know, this is just not, what should we say, this is not how mature people, this is not how adults treat each other. You know, what I've been learning in, in sort of my, my study of what is diplomacy anyhow, you know, which is not really my background and not my field. I'm a you know, I'm a medical geek from way back, so I'm, I'm kind of learning as I go here. But what I have learned about diplomacy is that it's basically like we're supposed to listen to each other. You know, it's like what families have to learn if you're going to try to stay together. It's what, it's what any couple has to learn if you think you're going to stay together. We have to be mature human beings here. We have to listen to each other. And, right. you know, so how do you enter into the complex world of international relations and say, I'm boss? You know, it's like hearing Ned right. Price. Right. Ned right. Price the other day, the spokesperson for the State Department, saying that no one has done as much to create a basically peace and stability and an integrated Middle East as the U.S. It's oh, like, wow. whoa, where do you come off saying that? And like that is, to my mind, that is a microcosm yes. of the cluelessness yeah. and what should we say, the social dysfunction mm -hmm. of people who are in positions of power here, right, who right, are calling right. the shots. They cannot be allowed to do that. And we have to fight them in the streets. We need to throw the bums out in the boning booth. We need to exercise every means of rebellion uh, at our disposal. Okay. Our lives depend on it. Let me just add, end with that because I think that's what's more persuasive 
to people than anything. They think this is somebody else's war, but it is it is impoverishing us all and it is endangering us. If you think you are not in the nuclear target hairs, think again. You are. It is in your front yard, not your backyard. Absolutely. You just heard one of the interviews I did at the March on Washington to fund people's needs and not the war machine held March 18th, 2023 in front of the White House. On November 21st, 2023, Jill Stein formally entered the 2024 race for the U.S. presidency, again representing the Green Party. This is On the Ground, on thegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the Nation's Capital. I'm Esther Averam. And you're listening to part one of our year-end special for 2023. Mountains, them all defile. They using chemicals, and food is no more natural. We used to have children and have them naturally. It's not a compulsory again. Now it's matrix babies, them mad. Them going mad. Them going mad. Mad, mad, mad. See the system going mad. Them going mad. Them going mad. As D.C. suffered under some of the worst air quality in years brought on by climate change induced wildfires in Canada, those opposed to President Biden's approval of the Mountain Valley Pipeline rallied outside the White House on June 8, 2023. Protesters said that Biden's tacking on the controversial pipeline project to unrelated debt ceiling legislation was just his latest betrayal of and broken promises to the climate movement and to humanity. So you see that sign that says money, you may say water is alive. That is how we say that in our language. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming out here today and standing up for the MVP or standing up to stop the MVP and stopping the MVP Southgate. So I'm from North Carolina and it's kind of crazy that we're hearing this wildfire haze. Humanity has reached a breaking point. Look around. It is fitting that we are now that the earth is on fire. We are here. We will have to live with fire from now on. Because of Western colonization and taking away how people steward it, and I mean everybody, how we care for the lands now, we have lost control. Lala June Johnson once said, in an attempt to outsmart nature, we have outsmarted ourselves. We are nature. Passing the rollbacks on NEPA has set the course. Joe Biden, we are destroying the earth, and we are destroying ourselves. We have fought this pipeline for 10 years. We are not giving up. We are not giving up. The environmental injustices we are experiencing is now a battlefield in Congress, and we have to win this battle. I want you to say this after me. When we fight, we win. When we fight, we win. Say it with me now. Money Inese. Money Inese. Money Inese. Thank you. I'm Dr. Crystal Cavalier, Okanichi Sapone. Halito Ching, Machukma, Yakoke Ishto, Yakoke Ishto, Achatasia, Aoklasia, Anitasia, Atushkasia, Sahochifo Yat, Jason Keck. Anakma Abenoke, tomorrow we will win. 
So I didn't prepare anything for you. I just speak from my heart when I'm in these positions and I ask that the great spirit or the great mystery or that great creator of all of these things guide my words. And so I can tell you that I feel that there's only one good thing about this corrupt decision, about this criminal decision, about attaching one civil servant so-called personal gain, personal pocket. And the only good thing about that is because now some of you that was raised under historical conditions know that reservation practices in politics, although maybe intended for us, are now being suffered by all of us. That plantation politics may have been intended for us, but are now being suffered by all of us. And so now that we understand that, we know to be smarter than to vote on someone that might have been a Jim Crow sympathizer or an Indian policy abuser. We don't vote on these people because they're the so-called better option. There's only one better option. That's somebody that actually cares about humans and human values. Human values don't care about paper money. Soulless paper manufactured money. Human values care about human needs. Drinking water, clean, clear, preserved. Mountains, mountains, sacred things put on here by the Creator that we can climb to and see all the beauty. Our children, our elders, their safety, their health, that's wealth. None of these other things are values. So now vote like that. Now that we stand together, whatever descendancy we come from, whatever part of this beautiful globe we come from, whatever culture, condition, complexion, religion, stand together and don't vote for criminals on either side. And I love you all for having the courage to be here. One update about the Mountain Valley Pipeline. Though these climate activists successfully halted portions of this fracked gas project, on December 19, 2023, U.S. federal regulators decided that the pipeline could raise its gas transportation rates and have more time to complete an extension. The pipeline is set to cross 303 miles of Virginia and West Virginia, plus the Southgate extension into North Carolina. Climate activists vow to keep fighting it. And finally, this year on the ground, join organizations across the United States and around the world in honoring the 125th birthday of the artist and revolutionary Paul Robeson, noting that his fight against racism and fascism is as relevant today as ever. Our tribute included audio of Robeson speaking and singing and an in-depth talk with our geopolitical analyst, the prolific author and historian Gerald Horn, who is also Robeson's biographer. Robeson spent most of the 1920s and 1930s based headquartered in London and stayed there until approximately 1939, 1940, and perhaps would have stayed there indefinitely, but for the intervention of the war in Europe, which we encapsulate as World War II, feeling that it would not be helpful to his family to be trapped by in, behind enemy lines. And recall that during the German bombing of the UK, uh, you had Londoners sleeping in subway stations in order to escape the damage. And that's what brought him back across the Atlantic to this uh, fateful rendezvous with history uh, in the United States of America. But London was a city that appealed tremendously uh, to Mr. Robeson. And I think it's because London then the capital of the sprawling British Empire, had attracted to its neighborhoods an array of stellar activists and intellectuals, including Jomo Kenyatta, the founding father of 
Kenya, uh, Kwame Nkrumah, the founding father of Ghana, C.L.R. James, the author of the still stirring book on the Haitian Revolution, The Black Jacobins, others too numerous to mention. And then, of course, there were the intellectuals, British intellectuals uh, in London. Uh, I'm thinking of the uh, so-called Anglo-Indian intellectual uh, Palm Dutt, whose works, including fascism and social revolution, are still worth perusing, particularly since the F word has not disappeared from these shores. And I think that it was in London that he, as he suggested, received his basic political education, uh, even though he was a linguist uh, speaking numerous languages, uh, particularly all of the uh, premier European languages, but particularly Russian. And it was oftentimes suggested that uh, it was Moscow's ubiquitous hand that helped to educate Robeson, but actually, as he suggested, it was London and coming face to face with British imperialism and the British Empire that stirred his political awakening, uh, not to mention the trip he took to Berlin in the 1930s when fascism was beginning to bear its fangs and coming face to face with that ugly system Uh, That, too, led to a certain kind of political awakening, not to mention uh, his appearance in Spain circa 1937 in the midst of a grueling civil war between fascists led by the eventual winner, Francisco Franco, and the Republican government, uh, which was destabilized and overthrown, uh, not least because of the outside interference by fascist Germany and fascist Italy. Uh, That too helped to lead to a political awakening of Paul Robeson. Indeed, when asked to define his politics, uh, more often than not, he would say his politics were anti-fascist. And that too is a lesson that we would do well to imbibe, particularly as noted, because fascism has not disappeared to put it mildly, uh, from these shores. And Robeson's uh, life and his legacy uh, provides very rich and fertile lessons that we all can learn from. When you mentioned anti-fascist, it reminded me of his testimony, and I'll play a little clip, uh, before the House Un-American Activities Committee. Why do you not stay in Russia? Because my father was a slave, and my people died to build this country. And I'm going to stay here and have a part of it just like you, and no fascist-minded people will drive me from it. Is that clear? You are here because you are promoting the communist cause. I am here because I'm opposing the neo-fascist cause, which I see arising in these committees. And that is actually the actor James Earl Jones reenacting the the testimony in that famous statement he talks about how you know his people built this country and that he wasn't going to have any fascist minded people <laughs> take it from him but one of the other pieces that i was really struck by this week was his his i guess speech and some singing uh when he appeared at the freedom ways a tribute to him and this would have been in i think 1968 and He talked about uh, just the importance of art, but he was very firm in just kind of talking about the the importance of the struggle at that point and how it had had evolved from during the time when he was was speaking out in earlier decades. I mean, just play, play a little piece of that. Forms of expression may be different. The political, economic, and social systems under which we live may be different, but art reflects a common humanity. And further, much of the contemporary art reflecting our times has to do with the struggles for equality, human dignity, freedom, peace, and mutual understanding. The aspirations for a better life are similar indeed all over the world, and when expressed in art, are universally understood. 
while we become aware of great variety, we recognize the universality, the unity, the oneness of many of the peoples in our contemporary world. In relation to this, in our travels, we visited many peoples in socialist countries. Today, we know that hundreds of millions of people, a majority of the world's population, are living in socialist countries or are moving in a socialist direction and that newly emancipated nations of Africa and Asia are seriously considering the question as to which economic system best fits their needs. Some of their most outstanding leaders agree that the best role to the people's goals is through a socialist development and they point to the advances made by the Soviet Union, the People's Republic of China, Cuba, and other socialist countries as proof of their contention. The large question as to which society is better for humanity is never settled by argument. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Let the various social systems compete with each other under conditions of peaceful coexistence and the people can decide for themselves. And the artist and revolutionary Paul Robeson will have the last word on today's show, which is part one of On the Ground's Look Back at the Tumultuous 2023. Lona, I said that for you. Join us for part two on our next show. This is On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, voices of resistance from the nation's capital. You can work with us, support us, and listen to all of our current and past shows on the website we maintain, onthegroundshow.org. If you like the show, let us know by liking us on Facebook or X Twitter or supporting us on Patreon.com forward slash On The Ground Show. You can also write us at contact at OnTheGroundShow.org. And I link to every show on my Instagram page, which is Esther, E-S-T-H-E-R underscore Everum, I-V like Victor, E-R-E-M like Mary. See you on the gram. The Free Palestine Movement is continuing with actions. You can follow continuing actions at shutitdownforpalestine.org and at answercoalition.org. Our podcast is On the Ground with Esther Ivarum, and that's on all your podcast platforms, including Spotify and Stitcher and all the platforms. The music we played this hour included Shalala by the Ether Orchestra, Dem Mad by the Proverbs Reggae Band featuring Ras Zia Ayubu, and our theme music is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I'm Esther Ivarum. Until next time, keep raising your voice. Peace. I want to wish everyone a happy holiday season and new year. I know it's not a happy time for so many of us, especially those of us with family, friends, colleagues in Gaza and throughout occupied Palestine or in so many other places of the world where the long claw of U.S. imperialism is making people's lives miserable and unhappy. But if you can do any kind of end of year giving, please remember on the ground, we are an independent news outlet operating here in Washington, D.C., and we are totally listener sponsored. This show is not paid for by Pacifica, and I do this show as a labor of love, and I know many of you love it too. So please give on Patreon. That's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash on the ground show. And you can give for as little as be a member or supporter for as little as $3 a month. And also you can give on PayPal. And many of us have a ready access to PayPal. You can give any amount to On the Ground. And the the email you give to is contact at On the Ground Show for PayPal. And you can also send a check and your donation is tax deductible. 
And all the information for ways to give is on our website, onthegroundshow.org. So again, don't forget us. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to presenting the next show.